is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, we've got a lot to cover here today. It was an eventful session, uh, not only for our major indexes, um, got some really interesting news out from the ECB as well, uh, raising rates for the first time in 11 years for the ECB today. Um, and then after back-to-back days of really good rallies here in the U.S., our markets opened lower this morning. Uh, you know, not significantly lower, really pretty flat. Um, you know, we did get down a little bit throughout the session, but we rallied back to finish positive across the board. And not only that, we finished at the highs of the day as well. So exactly what you want to see. We're also seeing some of our favorite sectors, names, acting as they should, being the leadership that you want to see. So I'll cover that here today as well. But I will point out we are reaching overbought levels on our short-term VRA momentum oscillator. So stay tuned to find out a little bit more about what that means and what we see it meaning for the next steps here in the market. But first, starting with the ECB, uh, the surprise they had with the market this morning uh, wasn't a whole lot of talk about them raising their interest rates, um, really raising them more, more so than expected. They raised by 50 basis points instead of the expected 25 basis points. Again, it's the first rate hike from the ECB in 11 years now, and it ends the the reign of negative yielding rates in Europe. Now, of course, real yields with inflation this high are still very negative here, and it's not like they they went too far. They raised it, their their deposit facilities, they raised the interest rate from a negative 50 basis points to a whopping zero. So yes, just flat. So really not a whole lot there. Again, real rates are certainly still negative. Um, And in the short term, they may try to go a little bit higher from here. Christine Lagarde this morning said that they wanted to front, that the reason why they went larger than expected is they wanted to front load um, these rates, probably like the U.S. Federal Reserve should have done when they started hiking rates earlier this year uh, instead of the way they've been doing it. But, you know, that's speculation. Uh, and now they're going to take a meeting-by-meeting meeting approach, uh, pretty similar here to what we're doing in the U.S. Um, but really, I mean, going from negative rates to zero, not a huge deal. But what was really probably the most interesting today is that the ECB announced a new tool to deal with economic issues, basically a new tool of quantitative easing called the TPI, the Transmission Protection Instrument. You might've heard me talk about on our previous podcast um, about the, the ECB doing their unlimited bond buying program. That is essentially what this is here. Kip talked about it on his midday update earlier today here. Um, but the goal of this, and I'll explain it you know, at a super high level here, but they announced their goal here is to help cushion the impact of the rise in borrowing costs. So, <laughs> bear with me here. If we have this correct, the ECB just raised rates 
and then implemented a new quantitative easing measure, measure to subsidize the borrowing costs from the rates that they just raised. <laughs> Effectively, to me, that seems like it just makes, they cancel each other out, right? They really didn't do anything today at all, is what it seems like. I'm sure that, you know, there are some different things that these are going to be doing, um, but really, I mean, just, it has to be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and in terms of quantitative easing and financial engineering, uh, it's just par for the course for what they do, but it is absolutely outrageous. And really, they're not even giving the full scope of what these this program is going to be doing. Lagarde essentially said, when, when she was asked some questions about the program, and I, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is essentially what she said. We said. She said, we can't give you all the details, so don't even ask. We will decide what to tell you on a need-to-know basis. So you, you just go off, live your life. Don't worry about we're, what we're doing over here. Just forget about all of this that we're doing and just you know go live your life. We got it under control, no big deal. I'm sure that's never led to any problems before in, in history. But I mean, the basis of the instrument is, uh, you know, essentially that the ECB has taken upon themselves to stop borrowing costs from one nation in the EU from diverging too much from another. So for example, if German bond yields are headed higher and Greek bond yields are headed lower, then they will uh, probably vice versa, really in reality, it would be, uh, but anyway, in that scenario, German bond yields going higher, Greek bond yields going lower, then they're going to sell the Greek uh, bonds just to buy Germany's, you're just passing it around from one to another. But what was so, what is so interesting to me about this, we've known that Europe is pretty much a lost cause on, on very many levels uh, as far as ushering communism like they want to do here in the U.S., just taking a little bit longer here in the U.S. But essentially, what the ECB has done here is said, hey, we're tired of having to deal with this pesky free market system right? Why should the market get to decide prices? We're no longer going to tolerate that. We set the prices. We make our own reality, right? So they don't need a market to find price discovery. They can do this all themselves, just like they can also handle the climate by themselves. They don't need us, right? Uh, the government can handle all of these things. All they need is your cooperation, and your tax dollars. Then they can solve these problems, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. We've seen that one time and time again. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be interesting to see how they use this tool, how much we really hear about it. You know, kind of like the Fed's reverse repo program. If you're not in the financial industry, you have no clue what that means, right? So really, they're hiding behind a veil of secrecy as well, just through Fed speak. Um, but at the end of the day, what you need to know about this is it's another tool of these global financial engineers to continue manipulating the free market out there. Again, they're saying that they're tired of the free market, we'll set prices and you can deal with it. Um, that's essentially what it is. And also with this that she talked about as well, is there's gonna be a number of stipulations that countries have to comply with in order to receive some of these funds. So you can already see 
how the ECB could use this as a weapon to bring EU nations to heel when they're doing something that maybe they don't like. Because in order to receive funds, you have to be compliant. Some of those compliance in good standing with ECB and EU rules. The country has to have asked for economic help. Um, and they have to be in compliance with certain agencies from the European Commission on Economics. Now, who, who's making these rules? What rules will be changed? Who knows? Who cares? Is essentially what they said. They have full control here and they can use this however they want. Now, she didn't say that they would be using it all the time or maybe even not using it right now, but we'll see what happens. My question that I had this morning is, what if a country starts to go in a direction that the EU and the ECB doesn't like? Maybe they elect a populist uh, leader, right, to their country. Like we saw with Trump here and how they demonized him, how Boris Johnson was supposed to be. I mean, he got Brexit done and that's really about it. It's a, that's an accomplishment, but from there, he just fell apart. So if, they, if, you're, if the people elect a leader who the ECB agrees with, can they take away your liquidity from your country? Will they stop buying your bonds? Will they be barred from participating in this program? These are all things that we don't know. Uh, so you can see how that could quickly be a slippery slope. But at the end of the day, as long as you're willing to bend the knee, you can receive your funds. It's exactly what we've wrote, written about uh, in our new book, The Big Bribe, coming out next week. You've heard Kip and I talk about it a lot. The Big Bribe, Building Wealth in the Age of Financial Engineering. Uh, so we cover so much of, of financial engineering, where it came from, where it's going, um, how we got to where we are now. Um, so, you know, stay tuned. If you're not on our list right now, either for our podcast, for our blog, you can find them all at VRAinsider.com. Be sure to enter your email there and you'll be one of the first to receive um, the order form for our newest book. So stay tuned on that one. Next up, let's take a look at our U.S. markets on the day today. As I said earlier, it was another strong day. Excuse me. Now making three days in a row of strong action here. And not only did we finish positive across the board, we finished at the highs of the day after what looked to be a lower open this morning. So exactly what you want to see. Our markets finishing higher with a strong smart money hour and led by our favorite groups. The NASDAQ led the way today and the semis led the NASDAQ. If you've been tuning in with us here, you know that's exactly what you want to see. Tech leading the way and semis leading tech. Exactly what you want to see. The semis are now up a big 22% from their 52-week lows just 16 days ago on July 5th. Now, that's 16 full days, not open market days, but you get the point there. I mean, just a massive, massive move higher from the semis here. The NASDAQ is also up 14% from its lows in June. But before I get to the numbers, uh, on our major indexes on the day today, I do want to point out that we have hit overbought readings on our short-term VRA momentum oscillators. And I want to put some emphasis on that because these indicators, our oscillators here, have served as a great um, direction indicator. Once we get to overbought readings, that's usually when we start at least to have a little bit of a reversal. If we get to extreme oversold readings, we're ready for a bounce in our market action. Now those the levels of the bounce or sell off vary greatly, but that has been 
a great indicator over the last two years. But again, those are our short-term VRA momentum oscillators. We've had a great bear market rally, so this seems like it could be a logical time. I think we might have a little bit higher to go, but it would be interesting to see a pattern change here from what we have been seeing to where we could get back to extreme overbought on all of our VRA momentum oscillators, not just our short-term oscillators. Uh, so we are not at extreme overbought across the board here. It's only our short-term ones. So if we can get continue to rally from here and get to those extreme overbought readings, well, a market that continues to go up and face in the face of extreme overbought readings is actually a very bullish sign as well. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that here and reporting on it as well. So our markets on the day, as I mentioned, were led by the NASDAQ up 1.36% to 12,059. We were followed there by the S&P 500 up almost 1% on the day at uh, to 3,998 and 95 cents if you really want to go that far. One point away from hitting 4,000 on the S&P. Uh, tried hard, but we closed right below it. So it would be good to see us get it back above that level. Tomorrow, a lot of technicians are watching that level. They're watching two. 3,900, if we break below that, they think there's gonna be a big break to the downside. If we were able to get above 4,000, a lot of people are calling for a rally from there. Lastly for the day, uh, our last two here, the Dow up just over half a percent to 32,036, and the Russell 2000 up just under half a percent to 1,836. I also wanna point out today, the VIX, continues to fall here. Even you know last week when we were seeing some volatility, the VIX was falling. Now we're back below, or sorry, we're just above a 23 on the VIX, but we did dip below 23 earlier in the session for the first time since mid-April on the VIX. So good to see uh, you know those volatility readings starting to come down a little bit. Uh, also on the day, the 10-year Falling big, down 4.15% on the day, back below a 3% on the 10-year to a 2.91. Uh, if you've been tuning in with us here, we've been looking for lower rates for some time now as well. Looking at our internals on the day, you know, given that we opened lower this morning, you got about what you would expect from the internals, not as strong as the previous two sessions, but compared to what we've seen recently, this is a win today. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks on both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. Nothing like the two to one days we've seen, but still nicely positive. New 52-week highs to lows. We're negative. Again, got to clarify every day, this is a lagging indicator. You know, when you're at 52-week lows, obviously you're going to have more stocks hitting 52-week lows. When you're near all-time highs, you're going to have more stocks hitting 52-week highs, right? So it's a lagging indicator over time, but we've continued over the last few weeks to see improvement here. I think it was just three weeks ago, we were in the thousands combined 52-week lows for NYSE and NASDAQ. Today, that combined number was 120, so we'll take it. 52-week uh, highs were 46 um, on the day, so also starting to see a little creep higher in that as well. Lastly, volume came back positive for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ on the day. Looking at our sectors on the day now, we finished with nine out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day today. We were led by consumer discretionary, followed by healthcare, and then tech. So again, good to see tech and semis leading here. We also had real estate up there, which I want to point out today is up over 1%. 
um, which is good to see. Housing is a VRA leading economic indicator. And lately, all you've heard about is the slowing in the housing market, which of course makes sense. Interest rates are on the rise. That has brought demand down some. But at the end of the day, as we see it and what we're hearing from our contacts in the housing industry, things haven't slowed down a whole lot given how much interest rates have been on the rise. There's still a massive shortage in the supply of housing market in the housing market right now, depending on where you're at in the country. Of course, it can be different, but there's so many would-be home buyers out there right now, even with interest rates at this level. I mean, think about we're really right at about the historical average for interest rates right now. So anything below this that we've had for the last few years is well on the low side of the historical average. So, you know, we're still on the low side at the end of the day. But on the housing note, we also saw today home builders and the housing index up 1%, uh, breaking out of their downtrends as well, hitting you know new short-term highs here, so highest levels in about over a month. Uh, but good to see the charts cleaning up there as well. Then our laggards on the day were energy, as oil got hit hard, and communication services. So finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch Gold, now rallying this afternoon, hitting right at its 52-week low last night, but rallying today up 1.05% now to $1,718 an ounce. Next up, silver, now up 6 tenths of 1% to $18.78 an ounce. Copper, now down 0.43% to $3.31 a pound. And oil, as I mentioned earlier, down 3.35% to $96 a barrel. Uh, That's another thing we're looking at here is that we have possibly seen peak inflation. Gas prices come down significantly, looking like they're going to continue coming down significantly. Of course, a new revelation in the Russia-Ukraine war could, of course, derail that um, if they do decide to cut off the natural gas pipeline. Um, You know, all kinds of different factors out there right now, but good to see oil heading lower. And finally for today, Bitcoin now down three-tenths of 1% to 23192 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top. and We'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.